Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is the free Seventh Heaven Podcast. The only free Seventh Heaven Podcast. <laughs> okay. We are coming at you from the outdoors once again. Trying this for another time. Yeah, I think it'll go a little bit better this time. Um, but we are here to cover season eight, episode eleven of Seventh Heaven, the title of which is When Bad Conversations Happen to Good People. Our IMDB user synopsis is, Matt wants to drop out of medical school after Sarah leaves him. Rabbi Glass talks to Matt about about Sarah. Kevin's ex-wife is in town and wants to have dinner with him and Lucy. Martin's aunt wants to wants Martin to move with her to New York. I'm sorry, I'm having some trouble reading. So, what was your first impression of this episode? Um, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot happening, and like... Maybe too much happening in this episode. Uh, I think I got like I think we got pretty spoiled with the last episode where we were really only following one character and it was kind of really nice to have that focus. But this time, I feel like every single person had a storyline and it was a bit much, I'd say, because there was a lot of like dark notes to this episode with like some of the storylines, but then the other half were really light. So I don't really I don't know. It didn't didn't really have a tone for me. Yeah. I don't know. There's no tone for this episode. I disagree. (laughs) Um, But I can't elaborate on my disagreement. Okay. All right. I'm just being contrarian. (laughs) Anyway, so I guess we will start with the cold open as we always do. Um, It starts in Ruthie's, the the room that used to be Ruthie's that um, Robbie stayed in. And Matt is in bed with a box of pizza. And the rabbi is. The pizza looks bad. The pizza, well, it's. It's cold, and it had been left out since the night before. But it still looks bad. Um, And the rabbi pulls the pizza box away and wakes up Matt and is, like, starts talking about, um, like, basically he alludes to the fact that something has happened between Matt and Sarah, and he starts talking about it in the context of pizza, and you can have all sorts of pizza in your life, and, like, pizza is like life because there are so many options and you get to choose sort of analogy Something about, like, but pizza gets delivered and you need to chase life yourself. Something like that. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of where it ends, so we don't really know what happened. Number one, we don't know why Matt is home, because the last episode we just saw him working at the hospital and stuff. We also don't know how... Well, we know that the rabbi got in through the back door, which is apparently perpetually open. Uh, Which, I mean, everybody always walks in through the back door, so, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to end today's episode with Matt's storyline, which I feel like is probably the main one. Uh, So we'll start instead... uh, With the stupid storyline, I don't understand. It's like, all right, so Ruthie, um, everyone is waiting down in the... When we come back from the cold open, the whole Cam fam, well, it's like Lucy, the Rev Annie, and the twins are standing at the bottom of the stairs waiting for Matt to come down, and Ruthie comes down, and she's like, oh, am I the only one who has anywhere to be? So everybody runs upstairs to get ready for their day. Um, Ruthie then subsequently breaks the cookie jar, and no one is around, so she puts it into a paper bag, and she puts it where the twins keep their their food, so like the twins are old enough now that when they're hungry, there's like a cabinet that... Annie stores food for them in. So she puts it in there to make it look like the twins broke the cookie jar. So throughout the episode, we have these scenes between Annie and the twins where Annie is kind of convinced that the twins are the ones that broke the cookie jar. And so she's trying to get, like, a confession out of them, basically being like, you know, you need to tell the truth. Um, And they instead, like, admit to other things, like eating soap, wearing two pairs of underwear, hiding cookies under their pillows. Um, and this kind of just, like, and we have Ruthie kind of being like, I need to tell my mom, I need to tell my mom. 
Uh, and of course, because Annie is all knowing and omniscient, uh, she already knew <laughs> that it yeah. was Ruthie. Um, so they have like this little heart to heart sort of conversation where, um, Ruthie admits it and Annie is like, I already knew. And Annie just leaves her with this little word of wisdom or something about how, um, as you know, when teenage girls get older, they start to pull away from their mothers and Annie's like, I hope that doesn't happen to us and you can tell me anything sort of, uh, motherly conversation. I thought it was really weird for this storyline to happen to Ruthie. I get why, like, at the end with that conversation, but I feel like this was more a storyline for the twins, really. Right, and I just want to, like, Ruthie's old enough, she's like 12 or 13 at this point, and I think at that, they they make Ruthie look immature, because at that age, I think if I did something like that, and it just, like, broke a piece of, like, for, like uh, I don't know, it was a, like a ceramic cookie jar, if I broke, like, a plate or something, I would just, like tell my parents and be like oh yeah like it was an accident it happened and like they wouldn't be angry so like I think they're like kind of taking away some of the maturity that they could be attributing to Ruthie yes but I felt like it was really out of character I feel like Ruthie is like the singular Camden that seems to learn from everybody else's mistakes and she's supposed to be like wise beyond her years so for her to like lie or hide this from her mother is a very like I don't know, it's out of character for her. I think, like, we're supposed to realize that this, like, cookie jar is important because Annie's had it in the family for years or some nonsense like that, but, yeah. I don't know, I thought it was... like, stuff gets broken sometimes. Yeah, I don't know, it was a waste. It was really, like, if they really wanted to do a storyline where, like, oh, Ruthie's, like growing up and they want to make sure they have a good relationship they could have done a number they should have of had things her, i think that the, the the route to take here would have been to have her actually do something that's bad and try to hide it um like actually bad like not just something that was i don't know i think they should an take accident it, they take advantage of the fact that they literally have peter over all the time and they're constantly alone <laughs> all the time not like saying like anything untoward maybe like a kiss you know i feel like yeah. they haven't really kissed yeah, because remember when Simon got caught and it yeah. was like a big deal, or and like or him, him and Dina had the hickeys. So yeah. like something like that, you know, like or the love bites. Excuse me. <laughs> so uh, that's Ruthie's storyline, and we're gonna go on to uh, Lucy and Kevin. Yeah. So Kevin comes into the police station, and Roxanne is like, "Oh, you have an ex-wife, blah blah blah," because apparently she didn't know because Roxanne took a message from Mindy, who was Kevin's ex-wife about the fact that she's in town and she wants to get together with both Kevin and Lucy for dinner. Uh, and this and this kind of makes sense of Kevin's previous behavior throughout the episode. We see him being ultra good husband. He's doing the groceries, he's cleaning the house, he's taking out the trash, like all the things that... Nobody no, wants to do. Yeah, but also like things that people should do normally in a house, but for some reason, like, it's amazing that the husband is doing it. Oh my god. <laughs> men, men doing the minimal thing and getting real D- big praise for it. Domestic housework. Oh, <laughs> a man doing it. Uh, so, um, so that we get that like she's tra- he's trying to butter Lucy up. So Kevin's first kind of, like, reaction is to just say that he's too busy and that Lucy can't make it either. Um, but then he, then his, like, next reaction is, well, maybe I'll lie and I'll just go to dinner with Mindy and I won't tell Lucy. This immediately backfires because he realizes who his wife is. So on, like, one of... Okay, this is another thing I want to say. What kind of police work is Kevin doing? Because every five minutes he's back home. 
Like, he's just constantly going and back he, and, and forth. And he also was like, I don't know, I got this case to work on. And he's, like, a beat cop, and I'm pretty sure that only, like, detectives, like, Get work cases. on cases yeah. and stuff. Like, he's supposed to be out there, like, writing tickets and stopping quality of life crimes and responding to domestic violence calls and things like that. He, he shouldn't be doing any casework. So he comes home and he attempts to lie to Lucy by saying, I'm having, I'm working on a case. I might not make it to dinner tonight. And Lucy's like, okay. And then he's about to leave and he's like, oh, I lied. Uh, my ex-wife Mindy's in town and she wants to have dinner with the both of us. Lucy uh, predictably reacts very adversely to this. She's like, I can't believe you were even thinking of lying to me, even though you just told the truth. <laughs> um... Yeah, I just have one note on this storyline. At one point, Kevin says something about Lucy having classes, and I was confused, because didn't Lucy quit college prior to their wedding, but now she's back at college? Maybe she never... Maybe I remember that conversation occurring, but I don't really remember there being a resolution to it, so maybe we're just supposed to think, like, oh, Kevin... Like, Lucy made good on her promise to finish school, um, even if they got married, so, like... I don't know. So so Lucy's still in school. She didn't end up quitting. Yeah, but this is kind of the first time we're really seeing, or any mention of classes for her, I feel like. Yes, yeah, since the wedding, this yeah. is the first time we've, like, been told that she's still in school. Uh, so, we, this kind of, like, comes to a head when uh, Mindy, like, calls the Lucy's phone, like, Lucy's house phone. And she's leaving a message saying that, I heard Kevin can't make it because he's busy, so I was hoping that Lucy could come. And Lucy and her end up having a conversation, and obviously there's a happy ending. Lucy's going to go to dinner with Mindy and find out all this gossip about her husband. The hot goss. Yeah, and I, and here we have more women in Kevin's life just ruining his life for him. Like yeah. Roxanne, et cetera, et cetera. Lucy can't be friends with anyone, oh, blah, and, blah, blah. And in, in Kevin's conversation with Roxanne, we, we they like divulge more information that suggests that Roxanne and Lucy are just such good friends, and Lucy already told Roxanne about uh, Mindy because they're just that tight. Uh, remember when they hated each other? I remember when they're the same exact person, and they made that storyline too long. So that's really it. Remember when Roxanne and Chandler have overstayed their welcome on this television show? Yeah, and it's going to get worse, trust, because that's the next storyline we're going to talk about, Chandler. I don't even know what happened here. I will pay to attention. So Chandler is paired up with Peter in this episode. We learn that Paris is away on a business trip, and Peter keeps like expressing um, the fact that he's like nervous um, because he seems to think that his mother is not going to return from this business trip, which is a little bit of a strange situation. But I think we're like they make it clear that Peter has some abandonment issues because. Ruthie at some point says, well, why are you afraid that she's not going to come back? And Peter says, well, my dad didn't. So, like, we learn that Peter has these kind of deep-seated um, abandonment issues, and but for some reason he's convinced his mother, who has been nothing but loving and, like, great. I mean, from what we've seen of Paris, she's, you know... She's a normal single mother. Yeah. Um, I will say, is this the first business trip Paris has ever taken? <laughs> because why is Peter all of a sudden, like... She's going to leave now. This is the time when she's going to leave. I'm sure, like, we know we know that Paris is a very su- successful businesswoman. I'm assuming she's gone on business trips before. Yeah, like, and Peter's, like, been left in someone else's care, and she always came back, so... so yeah. Anyway, Chandler reaches out to Peter during this time. Or does Peter reach out to Chandler? No, Chandler reaches out to Peter. Yeah, and he's like, oh, do you want to get 
have dinner or something because your mom's out of town and we're both missing her or whatever. Um, and Chandler kind of jumps the gun again. I, like, And he's like, one day I want to know if you'd be okay with the fact that me and your mother will get married and then hopefully all three of us will be a family. And, like, Peter's really happy because Chandler's, like, a good guy. A good guy. guy and he's not, like, dick. But I will say this. Like, Chandler's... Chandler has issues because he was gonna marry, like, he was ready to marry Roxanne almost immediately after him and Roxanne got together, and, like, I'm assuming, I guess, him and Paris have now been together for, like, a month at least or something, but he's very quick with marriage, like, hold your horses, guys. He falls hard. Yeah, hold your horses. Um, so, another, well, I guess... We've been seeing a, a little bits and pieces of Martin for the past few episodes, but this is now when Martin gets cemented truly into the Camden family. Which is sort of out of place, in my opinion. It happens too soon, too quickly. I agree. It took a, it took a, a while. When you for... think about like when, all right, so like Martin, Martin's aunt wants to. We see Martin talking to Cecilia at the beginning of the episode, and he's like, oh, "I'm nervous because." Um, my aunt wanted to, wanted Reverend Camden's number, and uh, he she wanted to talk to him. And Cecilia's like, oh, and he's like, I just hope everything's okay. We learn that Martin's father is okay because he received an email from him that same morning. So Martin is like, I don't know, I'm just afraid he's going to volunteer for another tour of duty or something. And that's what my aunt wants to talk to Rev Cam about. Switch to the church, where we see a very young woman... Uh, modeling some knee-high socks with some jingly jingle things. Little charms hanging from them. It's very suggestive. Yes, and she's walking. It's a very, I feel like it's a very 60s, like, mod-era outfit. Uh, and she's walking up and down modeling them for the Rev, who is very much enjoying the show, and continuously needs to remind himself about his wife, Annie. Uh, we very quickly learn that this woman is not just a random woman, it is Betsy Brewer, uh... Martin's aunt, and uh, she kind of looks like, what, you said, like, five years older than... Yeah, which is totally possible, like, you you know, like, but it's just not likely. What we, yeah, what we expected. Uh, yeah, when, when I was picturing Martin's aunt prior to seeing this, I was, like, picturing, you know, someone's aunt. Not yeah. to say, like... Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's such a... She, I, I was expecting an older woman, is what I am saying. Uh... Also because, I, I think because, you know, you're thinking Martin's been left in the care of another adult and you assume it would be an like adult. Like an older, yeah, like an older adult, like someone who might have some kids of their own yeah. or, you know, but it's it's a younger woman, so which she, is fine. She's played by Carrie Lynn Pratt, who I recognized immediately from uh, the best movie ever, uh, Drive Me Crazy, if anybody remembers that from the early 2000s. Uh, very good rom-com. Uh, featuring Sabrina Melissa, the Teenage Yeah, Mitch. Melissa Joan Hart and Adrian Grenier. And actually, uh, Stephen Collins, the Rev, is in that movie as well. He plays uh, that Adam What's-His-Face's uh, dad in I haven't movie. seen that movie in a while, so I don't know. Uh, I may or may not have it, like, downloaded onto my computer because I love it so much. Wow. I love it. You watch it every night before bed. Yep, exactly. Um, right up there with Seventh Heaven. Um... <laughs> So, basically, her big thing is that she designs clothes, uh, a different, like, and not, like, clothes clothes, like, accrumants, I think that's the word, like, anyway, so she has, she has this idea for designing underwear, and, like, her business will really take off if she does it in New York, and so she's telling the Rev that she wants the Rev to tell Martin. Concrete (laughs) jungle. Wet dream. Tomato. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> no, I just like she's like gonna be a famous fashion designer in New York, obviously. So she's gonna uproot Martin's life to go chase her dreams. And she says that the Rev needs to be the one that tells Martin about this. I would like to again. Kind, I want to know, what is in the job, job description of a reverend? Is it really just relaying messages from family members to other family members? He's been asked to break up with people. He's been asked to, like, I don't know. I feel like they've kind of expanded the job description of he, what a reverend He's, like, is. a sort of like a counselor, but also, like, a, does everything for, like, bad news, bearer of bad news. I, I feel like, but I feel like if he's a counselor, then he should be counseling people to communicate with each other. Like, he should be like, no. He should tell them how to approach the yeah. conversation, but everyone just goes to him with their uncomfortable conversations, and they're like, you need to tell X this. And then he does it. So, like, yeah. what is he, what is his point? I guess he, he's I don't know. An, he's an enabler. He's <laughs> he enables bad conversation. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's what this episode's about. <laughs> it is. It is. So, uh, later on in the episode, we kind of have uh, Annie and the Rev discussing the good merits of Martin. Um, now, I think Aaron made up a... Re- brought, I'm not made up. Brought up a really good point with... They don't really know Martin well enough to be like, he's like, a good kid. He's like a stranger who walked into their house one day. Like, they know really not that much. He's, like, dating Cecilia now, and that's... And also, at a certain point... Some Kevin walks into the house and it's just Martin and Cecilia hanging out on the couch in the Cam Cameron's Cam Cam fans, in, the love den. in the love den, and I was like, wait, why are they there? Yeah. <laughs> there is no one in this house. Like they they are not connected to anyone in this house. So basically, he asked Martin to stay with them because Martin obviously doesn't want to go to New York because his life is now at Glen Oak. Uh, Cecilia hears this. And goes off. <laughs> she let, lets loose. Um, and she freaks out. She's like, do you know how much I've been through with this family? I've known you for like 15 months and 23 days. But I suppose you're not keeping count because you just went ahead and invited Martin to live in your in your uh, house and not me. And th- like the Rev is like, Cecilia, you have a family and a house. <laughs> why, why, why would what? we ask you to come here? Yeah. Um, I know, it's very strange, this idea of people wanting to live with the Reverend. I don't get it. <laughs> like, why? I guess if, like, but, like, Cecilia has a family, right? Like, I know why Robbie was like, oh, I don't have a family to call my own, and I don't know. And that makes sense. Like, he had, like, a, he had growth to do as a character, but Cecilia's like... A fine so character. going backwards. I know. I don't get it. She's always around. She's always around for no reason. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we have another scene where kind of Betsy's like, how dare you try to make Martin, or try to get Martin to stay here? Like, you were supposed to tell him to come with me. But that ends up being, like, a non, like, a non-point because Betsy's like, actually, I just really wanted you to ask my permission, like, ask me about it before you asked Martin about it. And so, yay, happy ending. Martin's moving in with the Camdens. Like, yeah. okay, fine. That makes sense in some universe, I guess. Uh, so we'll get to what should have been the main storyline, but really was not given enough screen time. And the screen time it was given was kind of gobbled up by the rabbi's presence, who I feel like overpowers every scene he's in. And it's really unnecessary. Yeah, I still don't like him. You said, remember when we didn't like him, and I was like, I still don't like him. I'm fine with Sarah. I'm fine with Rosina. He's still a walking stereotype um, and just, like, bad. He's annoying. He is annoying. So 
basically throughout the episode, we have him and Matt out to lunch out on the promenade talking about what went down with him in New York and why he's here now. So there are two things that we learn. The first is Sarah has left him. The second is... Well, she moved out. We don't know if she's necessarily gone forever, but she left the apartment that they share. And the second thing is Matt wants to drop out of med school. Right. So we... this this I'm going to say this. I get the connect between the last episode and this episode, but I feel like there was a middle episode that was missing here. Because we saw the beginnings of turmoil in their relationship, and we saw the beginnings of him questioning his future, but we went from that to this. Right. And this should have been a three-episode arc. Yeah. Or maybe they should have done more in the last episode or something. I feel like... I know why this happened. The last episode was the the one right before winter break in, like, you know, when shows take a break over the holiday season. And this is the first episode coming back from the holiday season. So there was, like, that big, like, cliffhanger kind of-esque thing going on. But, yeah, I feel like the... It took away, like, the, I don't know, your emotional involvement in it, because you just didn't understand how it went from that to that. So we don't really know what happened, honestly. Like, why she left, what led to it, or what Matt, why Matt made that ultimate decision. Uh, and, like, after many conversations with the rabbi, he finally, like, tells his mom and his dad what's happened. Uh, the Rev kind of takes the, okay, we'll support you no matter what, like, let's think this through, blah, 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 and Annie very much is like, no, go after what you want. You want your wife, you want to be married, and you want to be a doctor. Do all of those things. Do it. Just do it, whether you like it or not. Uh, yeah, and I think that's kind of where, like, I don't think we have a real resolution as to whether or not he's going to go back or not. We, I think he is, probably, but that's about it. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's really the episode I feel like um, if they really did pay attention to this Matt storyline a lot better it would have been interesting I feel like we really haven't seen besides Mary who's now a mockery of a character we really haven't seen a character go through this like questioning of themselves in a very serious manner like Matt has like like Matt could have and yeah. it was really a missed opportunity for the show I feel like well I mean I don't know did we see us change with Simon I guess, no, I guess you're right with Simon. Uh, That's true, I you think are right. we saw some development there. You're right, no, that um, is true. And, you know, yeah, Mary's like a big joke now, which is not appreciated by us. No, not at all. We are, we are f- hashtag free Mary. We are, yeah. <laughs> um, cool, yeah. What would you uh, rate this episode? Oh, oh, let's see. It didn't really hold my attention, um, so I'm gonna give it, like, a, let's see, like, a three is just below halfway, so I'll go with a three. Yeah, I'm actually gonna agree with you. I think, separately, all the storylines were okay. Yeah. But I, I think it's weird that they put all of these storylines in the same episode. I, I wish it had focused on Matt more, and I wish we could have learned more about that, um, than we did, but... And I think they rushed Martin's inclusion into the Camden family. Right. Like, yeah, we could have used a few more episodes uh, of Martin being, like, welcomed into the fold of the family rather than just, like, zero to, hi, you're living in Simon's room now. Uh, so that's where we're at. Uh, we have new episodes for you every Wednesday and Saturday available on the Apple iTunes podcast app 
uh, as well as Stitcher and as well as SoundCloud.com slash CamdenCast. Our social media is at CamdenCastShow on both Instagram and Twitter and Facebook.com slash CamdenCast. I'm Tanvi. I'm Erin. This is CamdenCast. The Free 7-7 Podcast. <laughs>